Welcome to Mentoring Moments. Mentoring Moments is a sub-series of the E-Commerce Edge podcast. It is composed of clips taken from Jason's one-to-one and group mentorship sessions. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mentoring Moments. I'm here with my man, Elon, and we're on one of our mentorship sessions. And he always comes to the table with a solid agenda of stuff to talk about that's pretty universally applicable. And some of the stuff you were talking about was AI stuff. And I think it's <laughs> the soap opera called OpenAI as it's played out over this past weekend is probably pro- prompted a lot of this for all of us. It's, it's given us a renewed focus on AI. It's given us a renewed focus on where it's headed, how we can leverage it, how can we leverage to win in our own businesses, how we can leverage it to help our clients to win, to, what services offering evolution do we need to go through to effectively make ourselves redundant? Because that's my goal. My goal is to make myself redundant over time through my content and to create an opportunity for people to effectively subscribe to my content through a adjacent AI, for lack of a better term, where they can access my content at scale specifically for their own use and their own questions that, that can then be, the responses can be tailored to them based on my content and based on my avatar and my style and everything else. And so I think there's a lot of talk about that now. There's a few celebrities that have like their own AI. I think Jason Calacanis famously from This Week in Startups has his Jason AI. And there's a few out there that obviously have a corpus of work that is so massive that for someone to go back through thousands of episodes of a podcast, say, for example, and find a needle in a haystack on a specific topic, that's just, that's not a reasonable use of someone's time. But if that's all been transcribed, it's been put into an AI engine, and then you slap an interface on it to where I can query it, and the AI finds the responses to that topic or points me to the episodes that have that topic in it, or whatever the case may be, that is something that is perfectly suited for AI to be able to deliver today. And of course, it's going to get better and there's going to be more functionality later on top of that. And it needs to become conversational as we discussed. I think right now, that is the single biggest weakness of ChatGPT, that it is non-conversational. It is question and answer, and that is it. So Elon, just maybe just give a recap of where we went with this conversation, because I think it's going to become topical, especially in the consulting industry. I think the consulting industry is going to change a lot. You and I are both consultants, but I already told you, when I first started making content at scale, I could have never imagined that AI was going to get to this point and that my content would potentially be so useful and so valuable in the future world. When I started creating content at scale years and years ago, I could never have imagined that content would be valuable at scale on, say, a subscription model or something like that. I, I could just never have envisaged it. And that's changing the way we think about the future of the world, let alone our individual businesses, right? Yeah, I think it's it's so interesting. As you say, there's so much unknown and it's moving so quickly, but I think we can talk about what it's like for businesses looking for information to grow their business or for a specific problem. And what are your options? It could be, I go to Google, that's quite generic information. Then I might, I might do a course, which is a little bit more specific about what I want to learn. And then I speak to a consultant who knows all the generic information, knows all the course information, but then they have a really direct conversation with me about my business and give me just really cut down the time to coming out with options and solutions and uncovering things which you just could not thought of. And I asked you, what, how come you haven't done a course? Medicine? And you jumped in and, and started going, uh, talking a little bit about how ChatGPT becomes, or an AI tool becomes an option for people. So I think that the question for you, which you started to answer was like, what does this look like in, you said five years, I think it's going to be quicker, but what does this look like for businesses? Who are looking for, what does consulting look like? And what does it look like for businesses who would typically go through those three, let's just say, broad ways of finding information? What does that look like in a year or two? That was my, my first question. And then you also spoke a little bit about what, how that gets built. 
how you feed data, how you might copyright your information. I thought it was all quite interesting. I've really expected. Yeah, I think I look so some fantastic topics. What is super interesting about this, I think, is that the same people that perhaps are thinking of AI or ChatGPT as a, a bit of a fad are the same people that I remember because I'm, I'm dating myself here. But when the internet first became a thing and dial up and all that sort of stuff, there was there, I had lots of friends that were saying, "Why do I need an email address? Why would I want an email address? What am I going to do with an email address?" I had a lot of people saying, well, what am I going to do with the internet? This was pre-browser. What am I going to do with the internet? How does it help me? Why would I want to pay for AOL online? I had a lot of people saying to me, why would I want chat IRC? Why would I want, why would I want all these different things to do with the internet back in the day? And the day, what they couldn't see that I could see back then, even in those super early days, is this is not a fad. This is a trend. And I think that the exact same thing is happening today with AI, which is there's a lot of people that say, First of all, I don't know how it help me, helps me. I don't know how it benefits me. I don't know how to use it. I don't know how it applies to my business. I think it might be a bit of a fad. It's probably going to fade away. It's, it's not a trend. And I think they're missing the gravitational shift that is going to happen to the internet, to the way in which we fundamentally communicate as human beings. I think they're really missing where this thing is headed. And to my, to my way of thinking, that's a mentality that you brought up the point of there's these large companies, for example, in Australia, New Zealand, the States, whatever, where they've banned access to GPT at work. Well, I think we'll look back at this in one, two, three years time, maybe in six months time, and we'll say that was the equivalent of banning the use of Google at work back in the day because you were afraid that people would waste their time browsing the internet. I think it's the same mentality. I think it's the same almost Luddite level of thinking that just cannot see these transformational trends in technology as they're evolving. But because I've seen this same game play out probably three or four major times in my career, whether it's the internet to start off with, whether it's mobile devices becoming the norm and having your whole life remote control held in your hand, there was a lot of things that came down the pipe that looked like they may have started out as fads, but they absolutely not only turned into trends, but they turned into a fundamental cultural transformational trend, not just a technical transformation trend. And so I think that's where we're at with, with AI, with GPT, ChatGPT. And there's a lot of this technology be, being deployed in ways that we just can't fully appreciate or understand yet. But yeah, does that kind of resonate with you in terms of these dinosaur mentalities that businesses are rightly concerned about some elements of AI? They're, they're, they're like rightly concerned. They're rightly concerned about privacy. They're rightly concerned about their private corpus of data being released into the world. They're rightly concerned about how uh, employees will use ChatGPT at work, uh, whether mm. it's going to be a distraction, whether it's going to be a help. But again, I feel like this conversation, we already had this conversation when Google first came out. I distinctly remember there were lots of businesses that banned the use of Google at work because they didn't want people to, to, to play around, quote unquote, play around on the internet at work. Yeah, I think that is such a risk for businesses. The bigger the business, the bigger the corporates that can be quite risk averse. But I just don't think you can afford it. It's just moving too quickly now. It is not really a situation of wait and see because in that waiting, there is a startup who is moving very quickly, or a more nimble player, who is making the most of AI and is catching up pretty quickly. And also I think we have to think about employee satisfaction and what motivates employees. And I see AI as just a core skill set of doing any knowledge work. And if you're not learning how to use it now, you are 
performing behind. And I have a question for you on this, but I think a lot of employees, it's almost like, what are the benefits of working at this company? You know, talk about work from home, talk about the Christmas party. It's like, what's the disadvantage? People are going to think about this because more of their friends and their colleagues are going to be talking about all these amazing things that they do with AI and they're like, they can't access them. They're like, I am, I am seriously falling, falling behind here. To your point, it's like not having access to Google or not being able to email. That is exactly what it's going to be like if you don't have access to ChatGPT. My question for you is, I think, as a business leader or as an individual who's in knowledge work, it's really overwhelming. It's really overwhelming to know where to start. Where would you suggest people start if they haven't really been using ChatGPT specifically for their own day-to-day work? And another I'm question, more sorry, thinking guys, of it through the lens. Yeah, you go, you go. I was going to say the second question is on the, I think specifically we spoke a bit about courses and knowledge sharing. So I was also interested just to hear your thoughts about that as well. If I'm a consultant or someone who sells my knowledge, what should I be thinking about and doing now to prepare myself for the shifts that are absolutely going to happen in how I sell my knowledge? It's going to look very different in a year or two. I think you've hit the nail on the head. For me, I'm trying to figure out what business model can I introduce into my business either now or in the near future that puts my current business model out of business? So mm. I am always thinking through the lens of if I was going to start up a new business doing what I do today and I didn't have any of the established accounts, the established models, the established expectations, the the current payments that clients are giving me and the services I'm giving them, if I could start from scratch again tomorrow and AI was where I think it's going to be in, say, six to 12 months, how would I design my business? How would I design my business model? Mm. How would I deliver content? How would I do all these things given where I'm at in my career, you know, later stage? I'm certainly, I don't consider myself old, but I'm not a spring chicken anymore either. So I've got a certain amount of IP in my head that is monetizable. And I've got a certain amount of experience that also I consider IP to be monetizable. And that's why I can have a consulting business because to get access to that stuff that's in my head in a cogent, directly applicable way to someone's business based on that one-to-one experience that I've hard fought for over 20 years, like that that's a pay me and I will short circuit your 10,000 hours of learning. You know that model, that 10,000 hours of learning model? Yes. It's What I'm basically doing is I am sharing my knowledge with my customers so they don't got to go do it to 10,000 hours. Instead, mm. they jump frog, they leapfrog from where they are to where they want to go by leveraging my 10,000 hours or my 20,000 hours, mm. or my 100,000 hours, or whatever it ends up being. And so that model of exchanging time and experience for money that that's as old no you know so maybe back in the day we've swapped fish for eggs or fish for sheep or whatever it might be and then money came in as the arbitrator of those two trades that barter and mm. exchange we're, we're now bartering exchange knowledge and time for money and so i i'm thinking what would using the technology of today or in the very near future is it likely that i could be made redundant that my knowledge in time that's unique to me, is there mm. some way that the collective hive mind of humanity can make me redundant tomorrow? Maybe. Mm. But it's the ability to apply that knowledge and translate that knowledge into something applicable for my clients where, is where the real value is. It's not the raw experience. It's not yes. the raw knowledge. It's about how to pull in the specific tidbits of that knowledge that's applicable to their current situation and where they want to go. That's the real value. And so AI can do that. AI can 
ferret through a million page document. AI can ferret through a, a million YouTube videos. AI can ferret through all these different content types that we have that we've generated or created throughout this corpus of our career. And it can draw those threads, those thin threads between the content and the question being asked. And yes, I, I think the reality is, will I be made redundant tomorrow? Absolutely not. Will I likely be able to be made redundant within five to 10 years? Highly freaking likely, at least in the model that I run today, which is this one-to-one -one engagement model. But it's not one to a million. Like my, my content is one to a million, but my direct services are one-to-one, -one, right? And so there's a limit to how much I can scale in that one-to-one -one model. However, where I think this ultimately heads, and look, I don't have a crystal ball. I can only base it on the patterns that I've seen in specific technologies over the decades. And I think that the creator that is really good and has built up a corpus of experience and knowledge over time, but then has simultaneously been putting that content out in the world in different formats, then I think at some point you can then monetize that to replace your one-to-one -one engagements. You can monetize that, whether that's a JSON AI or whatever it might be. There's lots of forms this can take in the future, a subscription, whatever it might be. But then over and above that, you become... The, the guide to help people go, go through that and extract the most value out of that subscription uh, by understanding how it works and how to get the best results, right? And then finally, I, I think that you may, the thing about AI, and we talked about this before, I think, it's, I think it was Llama, which is I think the meta open source model, GPT model. I'm pretty sure it was meta that put out some research that showed that AI trained on AI, previous AI outputs degrades very quickly in quality because it needs new and real human raw material to be able to improve over time and get better over time. Once you start training AIs with other AIs, the results start to degrade really quickly. And it, it's, a, it's a factor of many functions, but one, AI isn't having real world experiences. Humans are having real world experiences, and then, and then it's giving it back to the AI. Two, when AI hallucinates as it still does, if that's taken as rote, as being correct, and then that yeah. hallucination is then used, that hallucination right. output is then yeah. used to train new AIs, then it just builds on itself and it just turns into yeah. a, a shit show. And I used the example of when I was in Guanajuato here in Mexico, I said, uh, is there a park nearby that, that has this and this that's within 15 minutes drive, blah, blah, blah. And they said, yes, this park, dog friendly, blah, 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 all these things. Then I looked on Google Nav and it was like an hour and 15 minutes away. I'm going, that's a pretty big hallucination off of a pretty clear data point. Like they told me this park is within 15 minutes drive and has all these things. The park was real. It did exist. And it did have all those features and functions, but it was not 15 minutes away. It was an hour and 15 minutes away. And I'm going, if that output was then used to train other AIs for a similar type of question, it's just going to get worse and worse because every one of them might add their own hallucination to it. And so it's, I can understand the value in the future of AI or the value that we can build into it is still going to require raw human creativity for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. This is not going to end. Like this is, for now, I cannot see a future until long, long after I'm gone where the raw material isn't human creativity. And as long as that's the case, I'm not worried. I'll disrupt my business in whatever way I need to disrupt it to adapt and make use of those almost 300 episodes of podcasts that I'm going to continue to drop three a week, my, my LinkedIn posts, my content across all these different channels, 
like I'm building up a really important corpus of my own knowledge, of my own information that then I could, for example, monetize on a subscription basis or whatever. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but I think we have to get a little bit higher than can I use ChatGPT in my business today? Yes, and I think the three things I just took out of that, number one is trust. At the end of the day, people still need to trust information and they need to trust and, and so I might read this thing, but when I speak to Jason and he confirms it for me and I trust Jason, I, can, I feel confident using that information. And a lot of people used ChatGPT in the early days. We've had hallucinations. They haven't maybe not gone back in and they're like, this is, no, this is wasting my time and I'm working on commercially sensitive, making big business decisions and I can't trust this thing. So I just need to go back to the way I normally do things. And I think people still... We're still going to be based on trust and relationships. And whilst um, there might be this chat that can help you with information, I still want to speak to someone to show me how to use it properly. And I might still need some points of validation because some of this is new. So the chat might give me something to think about, but I still need to make a big decision that hasn't been done before. And I need to speak to someone about that. How is it the right decision? But the, and the, but the other thing as well, I was... Just thinking about, I think what you're saying as well, which I've taken out of this is if I think I've got deep experience that can really help people, I need to be putting that into, I need to start thinking about what that looks like in the form of podcasts or blogs. I'm going to think about putting that into a chat, even if it's for myself, <laughs> even if it's before myself, because that is a huge win where sometimes all the time you get on a call with a client where you're looking, oh, I should have thought of that. This comes to you. I know you do a lot of walking outdoors. I do as well. And sometimes my best thoughts come from a walk. and that that's not reliable all of a sudden you have this chat and it will be reliable i've got a question and it's just going to find the answer for me even if i'm not using that with the client and i wanted to ask you in practical terms two things that concerns that might come up for people is number one is copywriting of your content and how i spoke of the example like today i can just grab jason's transcripts i can put it into chat i can create a gpt on chat gpt and I can tell people I'm a B2B expert. I can ask the questions and it's gonna, probably going to do some pretty good stuff. Of course, it's going to fall over because it might hallucinate and I don't, I'm not going to be able to spot that because I'm not the expert. But how are you thinking about that? And the other big one is about privacy of information. So to make the chats even better, the more specific information, if I can put an example of a transformation and this was the P&L before and this is what we did and this was the AB test and this is the revenue it's all highly sensitive information, but it's going to make the chat GPT much smarter. It's going to have more relevant answers. How are you thinking about how, how is that? Chat GPT is for all intents and purposes, as I understand, it's public. If I put in, so I'd be anonymized any sort of data I put in, I'm, you have to be so careful, but how are you thinking about those two things? Which I think a lot of people are just saying, well, <laughs> privacy and ripping off my information, I'm not going to even bother, or I'm not going to start yet. I think I'm much more worried about the second than I am the first. So the first thing that you mentioned is copyrighted material, protecting my content, all that sort of stuff. How can I prevent somebody from downloading my RSS feed, converting all all of the voice to an audio transcript, and then injecting that into ChatGPT and and effectively ripping off all that content and then making derivative works that I don't even know fucking exist out there. I'm not worried about that because it's going to happen. Like It's something Mm -hmm. I cannot control, and it's something that... It's a waste of my mental and emotional energy to think about someone stealing that. And I think 
your point about trust is exactly the answer, which is, sure, someone might be ripping it off and somebody might even, the reality is that I know a lot of people that have taken a lot of my ideas and they've improved their business using that. So in that sense, they've stolen my ideas and they've Mm -hmm. changed their pricing model or they've changed how they structure their business and it's helped to make them significantly more successful. I've put out a lot of mentorship episodes like this with generic information that they can then apply to their specific scenario to improve their life and make their life better. And I get messages for people say, I'm so thankful you're putting this content out there because I've never found it anywhere else. I've never found anybody else talking about the stuff you're talking about. This is amazing. It's Mm -hmm. really super helpful. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much, Jace. And then, man, that, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me motivated. And I look at this as just another iteration of that where they're directly monetizing my content. Mm-hmm. Since I can't stop it, I'm not going to devote mm-hmm. any mental emotional energy to it. What I'm going to do mm-hmm. is I'm going to focus on building as much trust as I possibly can so that if somebody genuinely wants to access my knowledge and wants to access it in the most authentic complete way possible, then they will subscribe to a $9.99 a month service or a $20, $21 a month service or $49.99 a month service or whatever it is to where they have access to the real deal, the yeah. real corpus of content with the real with the real frameworks that I'm putting around it, all the nuanced frameworks that I'm putting around that mm-hmm. to make that content as valuable as possible to my subscribers. And well, the other thing is, unless they want to continue to scrape my content, uh, that no one's going to be able to keep up with me putting out three podcast episodes a week and building more yes. trust over time. No That's one's going to be able to do that. Yeah. So I think, mm-hmm. look, all if you're good enough, I think you will always get your you'll get your peace. You'll be able to survive. It's, it's, it's a conundrum as old as time from music to painting. Your music has gone through this for years where people would steal riffs and they'd steal these bars and they would sample it. And then they would make their own derivative works and they would get paid for it. And then there's been copyright uh, brouhaha. But what it's ultimately come down to is that copyrights, patents, all that bullshit, it, it doesn't, the current model of IP protection does not work in a digital world. It just doesn't. And so I think, look, I don't have all the answers, but what I would say is that if you are good enough, if you are learning in unique ways, you have unique knowledge to share with the world, you're putting it out there with no necessarily expectation of monetary return, you're building trust with people, you're being kind, you're working hard. I just, I have never been in a situation, and I've had people copy my work in other ways before, when I was working inside companies, I've had people, I've had people do stuff that they basically steal all of my ideas, present it as their own, and then they're lauded for the results, right? And I just mm-hmm. go, look, if you need to copy someone else's work, like in school, to to make your way in the world, then you're more desperate than I am, and you just mm-hmm. you know, all the best to you, because at some point you won't be able to copy someone else's work, and you are going to be screwed at that point. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just am I not devoting too much mental or emotional energy yeah. to that because. I think a good analogy, I was like, do you want the real Nikes or the counterfeit Nikes? Do you want the, the, the latest Nikes with the latest totally true. technology or do you want the ones which are fake and six months behind because they have to wait for the real ones and then figure out how to copy it? And then obviously it's much worse because it's cheaper and it's not the real thing. So I think that's a really good way to do it. I think in particular, up to date, because things are just moving start and, and, and faster. And, and so people, the, the people trying to copy they're not going to be able to keep up. And then we we can feel overwhelmed with AI and the robots taking over. But in reality, the real world, is not, things aren't going to change. There's still going to be, you know, particularly e-commerce, physical products. And there's so many things which are just not going to change at all in the next 10, 20 years 
And so it's the application of the knowledge which cannot be copied and the outcome of the application of the knowledge and the actual execution of things and the learnings of that execution in the real world which which cannot which cannot be copied which i think is a value when you're actually working with the trusted source and you have that person to explain how to use it the chat your bots can really do that but as we've discussed there's still a bit far off of offering that trust and the things that just only come about with a face-to-face conversation how are you thinking about the the privacy stuff and how to when the data starts to get a little bit sensitive although it is really useful data right it could really improve your model and the responses yeah that's probably the toughest one because even if you want to do things right even if you want to protect people's privacy and even if you want to snip out let's say you've got a private corpus obviously my podcast that's all fine it's all public in the yes. public domain it's fine but for example in my internal documentation my internal spreadsheets my internal mm-hmm. discovery mm-hmm. findings my internal case studies my the really stuff that will definitely have client work in it no question about it and it will mention company names and it will mention yep. strategic plans and it will that is super hard it's just yep. hard because even if you want to say for example bleep out or black out the company name and replace it for example in a chat gpt response with xx it is going to it's going to be very difficult for you to define with any kind of rule set okay you can use this type of data but you can't use this type of data right or you can use this sub portion of the data let's say i've got a spreadsheet that's got the client name on tab one and mm. kind of their address and all their contact information. And then the other tabs are information that is, is generic enough and maybe doesn't mm. mention their name again to where that would be a super useful piece of data to have in ChatGPT. This is the space that, again, it's probably going to have to be solved by AI, but I don't know what that looks mm. like. I don't, I'm not techie enough to say, here, we can easily solve it this way. Oh, maybe we connect to a, a public database of, of public companies and private companies, for example. Maybe we tap into the company's office of New Zealand, say, for example. We know that these are all the companies that are in there in that database, and we just automatically exclude from the company databases from around the world. We exclude those names. We automatically block out those names in any response that is given. But then again, there are certain things where you want the responses that reference, say, Nike in your content. You want that to be surfaced. Like when I sometimes I might even reference Nike in some of my internal documentation when I'm comparing some of their go-to-market strategies around Omnichannel, for example, I might inject something about Nike in an internal strategy document and and I might reference them. And so to blanket say, okay, remove any references to Nike, well, fuck, that leaves a pretty big gap in your content Mm. that doesn't necessarily need to be there. So I, to me, I think that is a much, much bigger concern than the, hey, AI can steal my content thing. Is there any, are you aware of any, say you don't want, you're not going to have that, you don't want that information to be part of the JSON chat GPT that people can subscribe to, but you just want it for yourself. You just want to know that, oh yeah, I remember working with this company 18 months ago. What were the numbers again? What, what was the increase that, that led after we did the transformation? You can't do that with chat GPT now because- Oh, oh. How could you keep it? Uh, how could you make, right. there a way okay. to make, I, yeah, I, I, private, I a private chat, is that? Have you, are you aware of any solutions yet? Oh, yeah, you do. So, for example, I'm already starting to play with that with GPTs, okay. which is the new release from ChatGPT. Okay. So I've got like an internal beta testing model of that yep. on a small portion of my content, not the whole thing, but a small corpus of my content. And I can ask questions and give me back answers. And So I think that in many respects is going to be the game changer, right? Mm. I think that is probably going to be more useful internally than externally. And so a lot of that internal corpus of of knowledge and information, it can probably be genericized in the sense that there's concepts. 
There's concepts that can be drawn out of these things that don't necessarily have to mention any specific company mm -hmm. or, or names of any, even people names can be removed. So I think that's probably the direction this is likely to go is that A, it'll be primarily used as an internal yeah. search, search tool for the brand uh, or for the consultant or whoever it might be. And then secondarily, I think we can train ChatGPT in such a way that it brings in concepts. If we want to make it externally facing, it brings in yeah. concepts rather than specifics. Yeah. And I'll give you another use case that I've used, which is pretty cool. The beauty of public companies is all the information, a lot of information, which is normally kept confidential, is available. I've just been uploading PDFs of public reports into ChatGPT. Oh, amazing. I think Rick Watson mentioned doing that as well. Okay. He mentioned, yeah. And you're like, like for e-commerce, I'm like, what, tell me about the CAC. Tell me about what's changed. Tell me, it gives you like a really nice summary, which could work in well with your private ChatGPT because you're like, I've got this company compare it to this really well-known DTC e-commerce public company and, and what are the similarities or what are the opportunities that you see. It's really interesting, man. My big question is the Jason JPT is still going to have a few choice swear words in there. Is it still going to have the, how do we, how do you make sure that's still going to happen? It's going to have to. It's, otherwise, everybody's, <laughs> everybody's going to know it's not legit. If I don't no. think, I don't think I qualify to be in the Gary V echelon of swearing. Hopefully not. I do drop the, drop the odd F-bomb in there. Yeah. And I think if, yeah. if my responses didn't have that, people would know it was a fraud. Yeah, exactly. That's how we're going to know, man. That's going to be the difference. It's like the counterfeit's just not going to, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Love it. Also, hey, man, so I, maybe they can exactly, have man. the, I think there'll be probably a tick box option, auto-remove yeah. swearing, but then yeah. they'll know that they did it. They'll know that they chose to do it. If you'd like to get mentored by Jason for free, head over to greenwoodconsulting.net, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click Get Mentored by Jason.